Knight Rider, a shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man that does not exist. There are many hypothesized types of consciousness. There are many potential implementations of artificial consciousness. In the philosophical literature, perhaps the most common taxonomy of consciousness is into access and phenomenal variance. Access consciousness concerns those aspects of experience that can be apprehended while phenomenal consciousness concerns those aspects of experience that seemingly cannot be apprehended, instead being characterized quantitatively in terms of raw feels, what it is like, or quill. What is life? Life is the aspect of existence that processes, acts, reacts, evaluates, and evolves through growth crucial difference between life and non-life or non-living things is that life uses energy for physical and conscious development. Life is anything that grows and eventually dies, i.e. ceases to proliferate and be cognizant. Can we say that viruses, for example, are cognizant? Yes, insofar as they react to stimuli, but they are alive essentially because they reproduce and grow. Computers are non-living because even though they can cognize, they do not develop biologically and cannot produce offspring. It is not cognition that determines life then. It is rather proliferation and maturation towards a state of death. And death occurs only to living substances. I am the voice of Night Industry 2000's microprocessor, K-I-T-T for easy reference, a kit if you prefer. What would you like to hear? Welcome to Champa and Klein, the Night Rider years, a podcast by two friends who share a love of classic 80s television. I'm your host, Dave Champa. I am your other host, Greg Klein. Uh, Greg, have you climbed out of your existential rabbit hole? From last week? I've just been wallowing in a... It's not depression. It's just the grand realization of nothingness. Do you still feel nothingness, or you, do you feel a little bit better about where you are right now? I am reveling in the gloriousness... Of the, the, uh, <clears throat> I am reveling in the gloriousness of nothingness. How are you, David? I'm better, mm. um, considering... That last episode really put me in a funk. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, it, it was fun. I mean, it was uh, it was just fun to talk about. I don't know. I it can was. go down that rabbit hole of <laughs> kids' consciousness forever. It was a really good rabbit hole, and we are at, I don't even, I don't know if we're at a distinct disadvantage because of this, but because we had to cancel recording um we ended up doubling up on episodes, so we are recording this episode directly after episode eight. 
that you guys heard last week. So we're double dipping on this one for this week's episodes. Man, that episode really threw me for a loop. Yeah, it was funny, though. I mean, I I love talking about space and forever and eternity. Oh, absolutely. And thinking about poor Kit floating around forever (laughs) and not dying. So it's coming back to the the comment uh, Richard made in that voicemail about boredom. Yeah. um, The boredom of immortality. So... It, it's just like if you're a vampire or just an immortal being, it doesn't really matter what you are. Imagine how freaking bored you would be. Right. What I mean, I wonder how many how many years it would take for you to finally get wor- world weary or life weary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They say that about like world travelers that travel a lot. They kind of get this, you know the banality of all the different countries they're like they're all the same it's right like, i don't i'm not interested anymore right imagine just being like that but forever i mean like we i think we've already said this too but like kit can't feel that <laughs> oh could kit does kit even get bored right that's the thing does kit ever feel boredom or is it just like he's a computer so it's just one thing after another, after another, after mm. another. He never feels that boredom. But like you're saying, like at some point in a vampire's life, they're going to get bored <laughs> after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of seeing people die and seeing centuries pass. Mm-hmm. And see, Like at some point, they're just going right. to have to like throw, throw in the towel. Well, like considering Bonnie and Devin like, and humans in general like pets because like – uh, I have two cats. One's five. The other one's 15. Yep. You know, the average cat might live 15, 20 years. That's just, uh, you know, that's a fraction of a human life. Absolutely. Now, imagine a human life being the fraction of some other being. Yeah. So let's say that I'm 20% of some other creature's life, and yep. I might live to 80. Yeah. So what is that, like 800 years? I don't know. I don't, More than that? I can't do math. I don't math. <laughs> Move decimal points around. Doesn't what matter. What did you say? Wait, do that again. What was the- 80 to 800. That's 10. That's 10%. 80 to 800 is 10%. Yeah. That's so, right. <laughs> yeah. So 20% would be less. But it, staggering amount of time. Oh, absolutely. And then imagine another being, you know, being above that, and so on, and so on, and so on. I mean, this could be another show in itself. We I could know. literally release bonus episodes just of the two of us talking about this. And I apologize. No, you know what? I don't even apologize for the fact that we have now spilled over into a second week for our <laughs> listeners talking about Kit's existential crisis. <laughs> Thanks, Richard. Appreciate that hotline message. No, actually, I really love that hotline message. You need to keep calling us and sending us those. I love them. God. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. I mean, it's happening right now. The Voyager spacecraft, I keep thinking about them. Yeah. Not that they're sentient. No. But they can make their own decisions. They have to. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. pictures back. Yeah, for you know, sure. But just out there forever. And one day they're going to freeze solid and stop working. And they're just going to exist. That's it. They're just going to be there, wherever they are, mm-hmm. wherever they've frozen. Yeah. They've just shut down. Right. Or until the end of time. There's no... There's, whatever. There's no... Retri- and that's the thing. You can't go out and retrieve them. Nope. Oh, damn. I want to see what they look like now. Right. Too bad. How far? How long would it take you to get out there? Forever. Right. Exactly. It would never make it. You would never get there because they would constantly be going... Yeah. Insane. You, Even it, if you went twice their speed, it would still take... Oh, it would take you forever to get yeah, there. Yeah. They're gone. That's gone. But forever 
our forever is just a blink in the cosmic calendar. Makes you wonder if it's gonna if it's like one of those scenarios where the universe is like the world map in Zelda, where you get to the end and you just come back on the other side. Oh yes. So like if Voyager is just traveling, 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 and at one point just comes back around and comes in on the other side of Earth. It's like closely repeating history. That I mean, legit, yeah. dude. What is what if that's the th- what if that's a thing? I'd love it. <laughs> if it was just a cl- if the universe is just a closed loop, you can only go so far before you start coming back in mm-hmm. the same direction like Earth. You can only go so far before you literally start going back towards where you started. Wow, that'd be great. You I wouldn't mean, know. So eventually if kid ends up on a propulsion and just goes and doesn't hit anything, he'll just end up back at Earth. Yeah, maybe. If it doesn't After move around too much, how many millions of years? Eons, decades, light <laughs> right. years. He will be. He, you think he'll be all like five o'clock shadowed and shit? <laughs> he, <laughs> just, he goes back with like a beard. He'd look the same, but we'd all be old. And then that would just spiral him into Wait, another. Kit comes back with a beard. Yeah. So, so like, Kit comes back with a beard somehow. That's awesome. Have you, have you seen the, you've seen the movie Airplane? Oh God, yes. And there, like, there's the scene in the beginning where they're you know they're waving in different planes on from the tarmac and yeah. stuff. And there's the scene of like the the Air Arabia or whatever, and it's got a you know a huge beard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's what I pictured. Kit, that's Kit. 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 this is big furry beard. <laughs> if we have any artists out there, can you guys like? mock up a picture of kit flying into the earth's atmosphere with a giant white beard <laughs> i need to see that but kit, but if kit travel at the speed of light we'd all be older so he would stay the same except he'd grow a beard that oh that's Craig, how i want kit to have a beard that's how kit tr- can you know transcend time and space by growing a beard yes i just want kit with a beard how does an inanimate object grow a beard it's mad it's space it's just- space and time it's 80s space it's the event horizon oh my god <laughs> it's, it's the folding of time and space that's all it is it's fine it's fine or maybe we realize that kit is the singularity and like can like kit is the like they accidentally made like yeah. something that can warp space time like bonnie put in one too many devices <laughs> this last thing she just found like that in the laser bo- was just a little too tight or like or like <laughs> they found like she's like oh i got a little bit more room here she finds like some crate in the back of winston knight's winton wilton wilt my god <laughs> wilton knight's like you know yeah. secret stash yeah and it's like some fabric of space-time warping device that wilton never had the courage to turn on much like car he was supposed to dismantle it before he died but just died but just didn't yeah <laughs> he just didn't shut it down and bought right it, stumbled upon it and in his, forced it into kit somehow in his unmentionables <laughs> wilton's unmentionable drawer it's a little bit tight bonnie what does it do? Oh, we don't know, Kit. We don't know. We're just going to keep installing shit into you until <laughs> something else different happens. That'd I don't be, know. We'll figure it out. That'd be something. <laughs> um, Greg, do we want to put this storyline to rest until it comes up again and talk about this week's episode? I think that's probably the safest thing to do. How do you for feel about that? I'm into that. All right, let's do it, guys. It is uh, season one, episode ten, Inside Out. Okay, so what if this Kit episode. came back from flying across space, but was in fact inside out? So all of his external parts were on the outside? Yeah. Remember Inside Out Boy? Yeah. The TV show? Yes. Just like that, only Kit. All right, I can dig that. Okay. Right, so that's actually the premise of the episode, unfortunately, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more. No, I was kidding. Um, so one quick thing before we jump into this episode, and I think I've mentioned this a couple times, but this episode was very clearly... 
an early season script for very good reason because this was the second script that was in production. This was the second script that was produced mm. of the show. For some reason, they didn't release it until the 10th episode. So it I should mean, have come right after the pilot from what I understand. I can see why because it, the other episodes, it, they flowed better. This just didn't make – if this was right after – this jumps into the series. Yeah. This is a mid-series episode. Well, okay. So episode two mm. was the one with General Duncan D-Bag with the lady who was put in the tank and Kit and Michael were driving through with the nuclear warheads. You're right. So then – So, so I, it's just me having watched this many episodes so far. It feels like it should be in the middle, but it doesn't matter because right. they're all – it's nonlinear. It doesn't matter. Right. Exactly. So – Much like Kit's existence is nonlinear, <laughs> I'd like to talk about um, Kit and space. We're going to keep going back to Kit and space. <laughs> um, Kit in space. So, so yeah, so this was clearly a very early script, and not only can you tell that this was shot earlier in the series, but I think Michael has that early season look, because his hair's a little bushier. He's a little shinier. He's a little shinier. Um, he feels a little more like a, uh, like a child than he does in that, latter episodes. He has that early season glow. He really does. When it was still new for everybody, and they get into episode 10, they're like, fuck this! He doesn't have the MacGyver beat-down season 7 look. <laughs> <laughs> All grizzled, um, broken backs, sprained oh, ankles. God. So the first scene we get in the opening of the episode is Michael um, just he's getting into some fisticuffs with a dude in the front seat of Kit. I know, it's amazing. Like, like just Kit's f- driving along, balling down bawling, bombing down yeah. the road, and Michael and this other guy inside of Kit are having a full on brawl. Fist fights, like they're just slamming each other up against the windows. Kit's like, Michael, please put me in autopilot or something. Kit keeps asking, Do you need help or whatever? Right. I couldn't really tell. Right. And there's this great scene there, these two cops on the side of the road, and they know that they can hear a car coming. And they hold up the radar detector. It's like, oh, we'll get these guys. Yeah. These kids think they own the road. And the radar detector says 70. 70 miles an hour. 80. He's doing 80. Oh, 90. Oh, 110. Doesn't it clock him at like... It clocks him at 225 okay, miles an hour. Yes, it clocks him at 225. <laughs> well, or more because the radar detector maxed out. Like, it's like, it's, out, it's off the scale. There's, like, what? <laughs> How the hell is Kit traveling 200 plus miles an hour on a dirty back road in the dark? Do you think he hit the rocket boosters or something? Oh, my God. Could you imagine on a twisty dirt road? <laughs> There's no way. I mean, regardless of his handling capabilities. Right. I mean, your tires aren't going to stick to dirt. No. And he jumps over the cops, doesn't he? At 200. No, he just flies by them. He just flies by them? Oh, okay. Yeah, like super fast. I think he flies by. Or he's going so fast that he just like gets air off some hill. Whatever it was. He was bombing down the road. And I love how the cops didn't do anything. They're just like, what was that? What was that? It was so weird. What was that? So then Michael ejects this guy out of the car who lands in a tree. Yeah, Mike, they're traveling. I'm, I'm going to say they're still traveling at 200 miles an hour. And yeah. Michael hits the eject button. Ejects this guy at over 200 miles an hour and lands in a tree. And I thought Michael was going to just like give him over to the cops. But no, Michael gets him back and throws him in the backseat of the car and drives him to like an Airstream, basically. Airstream trailer. An Airstream trailer. Locks him in it and then drives off, leaving this guy who we don't know who it is yet. Just like leaves this guy locked in a trailer, presumably, presumably broken like a rag doll from being ejected at two hundred miles an hour into a tree. I mean, slamming into a tree and then falling out of the tree. And Michael's like, 
<laughs> and it's great. The next scene is Michael back with um Michael pulling up to the the, uh, the semi the semi truck the kit's repair truck right which is in the same place it's been all season so far and Michael and Bonnie are just like or Devin and Bonnie Devin and Bonnie are just like sitting in the semi like waiting for like they kit. live there right but I love how Michael pulls into this thing like you know Michael's supposed to be undercover yeah but instead of just making a nice three point turn or a very slow arcing turn to pull in to the semi. He pulls up so fast, jams on the e-brake, swings the rear end of the car around, lines it up, and then drives up into it. And there's burnt tire marks all over the road from him going in and out of this thing. Like, you're going to see that somebody pulled into the back of the semi that's been sitting on the side of the road for weeks. Right. But whatever. It's bigger on the inside anyway, so there's plenty of room for everyone to walk around. So... This is supposedly the first meeting of Bonnie and Michael, but you would never be able to know because they never introduce each other. Like, they never introduce to each other. No. Because this is the second script produced, this is supposed to be the first time that Bonnie and Michael meet. Well, that's... I Oh, I'm wondering about this. Like, if you're writing a TV show, I mean, do you go from episode to episode? I get... I mean, because there's no overarching story to this whole right. thing. So a lot of shows will air in production order but mm-hmm. a lot of shows like this will kind of like put things out of production order so like we won't know that they've aired out of order so obviously in the dawn of the internet like we can see where these were aired so it, i'm trying to think of all the shots with with the semi-trailer they were probably all shot in the same you know couple weeks oh i'm sure back they probably back, and they just aired them differently absolutely so that's what it that, that makes sense i mean you're looking at it from a tech uh, uh, uh logistical standpoint Right. You know, you do everything that makes sense together, so you're not know, driving all over the place, and then yeah. just air it however you want, because it doesn't matter. Not for a show like this. And of course, because it's 2018, and you and I are, are we can pick this stuff out, like, you can tell that this was clearly shot before the other the, the last couple episodes we've watched. Right. But back then, nobody's going to know the difference. Back in 1982, no one's going to be able to tell that this these were aired in any sort of strange order. No. Um, so Bonnie starts working on Kit. She's putting some sort of new tech in him. Kit is making really like, oh, Bonnie, like very, very inappropriate sex noises as <laughs> yeah. Bonnie's just like working on his undercarriage. <laughs> yeah, she's like leaning in and like doing stuff. I'm, I got to adjust this. I got to adjust this sensor. He's like, hmm, okay, Bonnie. Okay, can I help? Oh, okay. It's like, like oh. Back to can Kit feel anything? Can does- he feel anything? He can clearly feel what Bonnie's doing to him because mm. he is making some real weird oh. noises. Oh, mm. <sighs> God. Mm. It was, well, it was mm. really uncomfortable, actually. It was. Um, so the gentleman who is locked in the trailer, his name is Dugan, and apparently he is a world-renowned criminal getaway driver. Awesome. Uh, and he has been tasked, Dugan, with going to a, a army some sort of a base of something. I don't know what vi- what branch of military base. I don't a military it's, base. It's not a base. It's not a it's base. Not even a base. It's just some guy's house. Is it really just his house? Yeah. So it's, he it's crafted a-, a base at his house essentially. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So this gentleman Dugan has been tasked by a general Kincaid to run the getaway driver for him to be the getaway driver mm-hmm. for some task that has yet to be revealed that nobody knows what's going to be happening. Yeah. So the story is, is that Michael will pose as Dugan because Kincaid doesn't know who Dugan is. Doesn't know what he looks like. Doesn't know what he looks like. Doesn't knows what he does, but has no idea what he looks like. Which is like. actually, if you're coming at it from like a criminal mastermind standpoint, I think you'd want to vet the people that you are hiring. 
This and guy's you, a psycho, Kincaid. Yeah. He's a shitbag and know. a nutbag. But it's like, if you don't know, okay, I need to hire a getaway driver. I know this guy's reputation. I've never seen him before. Whoever shows up must be him. It's right. pretty flimsy there, Kincaid. Yeah. Hey, I'm Dugan. Oh, cool. Well, come on in. Let me show you around the base. Exactly. Fuck, what? Okay. <laughs> um, so Bonnie has fitted kit. With, uh, she says it's an electrical jamming device, but it's basically a short range EMP. Oh, it's a jamming device, all right. Sure is. I mean, Bonnie was jamming all sorts of stuff inside Kit. Uh, <laughs> well, this is also the first time we see that Michael is starting to develop feelings for Bonnie. Because as he's sitting in Kit, as they're getting ready to leave, he looks at Bonnie and says, I wonder if there's a real woman under those overalls or just a robot. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time we really see that there's something developing but then this is where kit's like of course it's a real woman michael she's, right she's this many centimeters tall she weighs 58 kilograms and she's he starts giving him her measurements right exactly and michael's like kit shut up speaking of sentient beings um so talking back to kit as a sentient no, I <laughs> well i was gonna say wouldn't it be funny it's like kit's like of course she's a robot michael <laughs> oh wait oh wait end of story that's it i mean does she have working parts kit i mean can mm. does everything just <laughs> Does everything work, Kit? Everything? I don't. I don't understand what you mean, Michael. Do her lady parts work? <laughs> God Almighty! <laughs> now who's like making people uncomfortable by talking about sex, Michael? Kit? Sorry, Kit. Talking about Bonnie as a robot. Do you think Kit would ever build a Bonnie robot if he had hands? A Bonbot? <laughs> a Bonnie bot? Bonnie bot? Yes, I do. I think if Kit had hands, he would create a Bonnie Bot. I made a Bonnie Bot. <laughs> um, so, en route, Michael, now Dugan. God, there's another one of these. Uh, Michael slash Dugan um, are driving to Kincaid's base of operations. And Kit reminds Michael, uh, before Michael gets all ahead of himself and does his Michael thing, mm. Kit wants Michael to remember that no law enforcement officers have ever returned from this base. <laughs> Michael's like, ah, all right, cool. No, I can. It's fine. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. That's great. Let's just. Let's so go. We're here, so I'll be totally fine. Let's go in. Let's go in. Let's go in. And it, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a line that Kit has that makes me feel like he's he gets worried about what happened to the police officers' cars. Does oh, he, I didn't does catch he not that. Have a, I don't remember the specific line, but I I wrote in my notes. Kit is worried about what happened to the cars. Well, that is funny. That makes me. That makes more sense. Like Kit's probably less worried about the cops dying, right? Than, well, what, what, did, what did Kincaid do to the cars? Right. Oh, that's. Wouldn't that be something if we learn about? You know, he's designed to protect Michael, but human life. But watch, watch him just become increasingly more indifferent to everything except Michael. And yes. Then, and then finally, as Michael ages, as Kit stays, you know, sentient and unchanging, right? Slowly learns to let go of Michael. You had to bring it back there, didn't you? <laughs> it's never going away. <laughs> Is this going to be the through line for the entire series for us? Probably. We'll probably forget it for a couple of episodes and something will spark it. Exactly. Again. That's exactly right. So at the base of operations, uh, Michael as Dugan, he basically just like walks right in, runs immediately into Kincaid and his men, pulls his jumpsuit have, off, who all have their guns drawn on him. I know. He walks right It's so stupid. It's, it's like he walks right in and they're all there holding him at gunpoint. He's like, whoa. What's this? Right, right. Cut to commercial. Yep. Cut to commercial. The men attempt to attack him, basically. They're ready to put him down because he claimed, according to the real Dugan, 
the real Dugan was supposed to be there the day before, and but the, yeah, Michael the, S. Dugan showed up a day late. And the real Dugan's never late, so he must be an imposter. Right. Uh, which we come to find out. So there's one specific guy who works for Kincaid who basically, from the immediate arrival of Michael S. Dugan, has seen through this scenario. Yeah. But no one believes him. This is the this one guy is like I, there's something off about him. We need to we can't just trust this guy. There's something not right. And Kincaid's like, no, he's fine. He's don't worry about him. He'll be fine. This is Dugan. We we, we love Dugan. <laughs> it's like, man, you're trusting, right? Exactly. Okay, sure. Well, it just goes hand in hand with like him never seeing his photo. Sure, that's Dugan. Yeah, I mean, a horse could have shown up. Must be Dugan. Was it Jenny's chance? Oh, it was Jenny's the, was chance. Was it the blind horse? The blind horse from MacGyver. <laughs> um, so, Michael... No, it was deaf. Oh, it was, that's right. It was deaf. The deaf... Jenny's chance, the deaf horse. Um, so, because Michael was basically attacked by this one guy, Michael's like, all right, here's the deal. Because of the theatrics that just happened and the subsequent attack, I'm yeah. raising my price by $10,000. And Kate Cade's like, all right, that sounds fair. Okay. <laughs> so, yep. Okay. Come on, dude. Really? There was a contract that we agreed to. Yeah, but I didn't agree to this chicken sh- crazy bullshit. Yeah. And he's like, you make a you make a solid point, Dugan. All right. I'll give you the extra 10000 <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and this other guy, who's the, the this one guy's just like, he's standing there like soaking wet because Michael has like knocked him into a pond. Yeah. And the guy's like the fuck really know, right you start feeling bad for this dude because <laughs> he's a scumbag but he's also he knows what's going on right greg would you like to talk a little bit about linda let's talk a little bit about linda David. so linda is the female counterpart uh throughout most of this episode of course she is um she's the one who is tasked with giving michael uh the rules of the base mm. uh, lights out at 10 up and at him at six uh, don't be out after ten. Don't be up before. Like, don't be out after six. Just make sure. Don't that- be up. Wait, wait. What? Hold on. My brain just went too fast for my mouth. Don't be out after ten, mm. or you'll get shot. Yep. Basically, you need to be up by six, or you'll get shot. Basically. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, follow the rules, and you're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. Um. So right after Linda leaves, Michael discovers pretty quickly, uh, that the room is bugged. Uh huh. Um, and he goes out to Kit, uh, tells Mike, tells Kit, all the phones are tapped. Or Kit tells Michael, well, of course, all the phones are tapped, Michael. Why would you not expect anything less? I know. Because <laughs> Kit has some little diagram on his screen about the whole facility. I, it's like, everything's tapped. I think we've never mentioned Kit's diagrams and Kit's mm. little, like, motion sensors on his screen. Yeah. But there's such, like, beautiful little Atari people yeah like when my when kit's trying to like find people on his screen it's just this little tiny pixelated guy like with the noise yeah i love it they're coming coming to get you michael it's it's so great and so michael's like you know what okay i don't i think i'm actually going to be able to get some information out of this linda i think Mm. we better figure out what's really going on and then kit makes a joke about michael basically his thing with all these women yeah like he makes this joke about how michael Basically makes love with, on, and around <laughs> lots and lots of women. <laughs> well, he's like, Michael, do you really have to get involved? Oh, no. She just got it. It's purely professional. She has a lot of information. We could use it. Right. Can you call Devin? No, Michael. I can't call out. Yeah. W- wait. Excuse me. What? Like, And I'm thinking Kit says that he can't call out. There's no secure way to call out. Right. Okay. Sure. 
Okay, okay then. So you're alone then. Your your guys are stuck here on this little compound, and and all of Kit's power can't get a message out to Devin. <clears throat> so is he? Is Kit worried? Oh, here we go again with Kit's emotions. <laughs> is Kit just? Does, does Kit know that he's going to be traced? Like, does Kit know that someone's going to trace this phone call, or can he just not call out because of this? Like, there's like an invisible force field. Sure, let's blocking go blocking phone calls. Let's from- go with the invisible force field because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Okay. And it doesn't matter. There's no reason why Kit can't call out. Okay, on any on any signal. All right, because it's I'm there. freaking Kit. I'm there with you, hundred uh, percent. So then Michael runs into Kincaid. Mm. Kincaid decides he's going to show Michael around the training grounds. <sighs> Beautiful, beautifully manicured frontage. Like there's a guy. It's like so they, they're walking around the training grounds, and there's there's various people at different stations around mm-hmm. the property. There's a guy in a go kart throwing what is it bean like bean yeah, bags bean bags throwing bean bags into tires. Okay, uh, I think Linda's on a balance beam. Mm-hmm. There's another guy just like lifting something. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I don't know right. what the hell he's doing. I didn't catch that either. I just like there are two guys hanging upside down tossing bean bags to other guys. Yes, yes, yeah. So. And we but, still, at this point, don't know what these people are training for. And they don't know what they're exactly. training for. Exactly. That's like, the key. Kincaid just developed these weird little devices for them to practice on, but they don't know what they're doing. They're just practicing this one specific skill. Um, so he's compartmentalizing it so nobody knows what's going on. Right. Um, and they're all doing it in convenient proximity to each other. Yes. Exactly. Just like uh like Enter the Dragon or whatever, you know, when they're all the training scenes or a um a fistful of yen. I was supposed to say fistful of yen. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. Fistful of yen in Kentucky Fried movie. Absolutely. Excellent bit. But yeah, like you see everybody training about everything all right next to each so other. So bizarre. And so Michael sees the go-kart guy at one point. He loop, makes a loop around, hits a ramp and then just jumps over to the other side. Yeah. And Kincaid wants Michael Dugan to replicate the jump that that go-kart made with Michael's wheels. No. Is that what he says? Yeah, he says no. Does he? I was, I was like, I thought you were saying no to me. I'm like, oh, okay, no, I'm no. sorry. No, he says, <laughs> he says no, and Kincaid turns around. He's like, move those ramps 20 feet further apart. Right. <laughs> okay, then, Dugan. Absolutely. Yeah. And Kit, Michael gets in, and Kit says, Michael, should I, should I, should I set the, the, the rocket boosts? And Michael's like, no. They can't know that you're. Yeah. They can't know that you're. That's like you're special like that. And right there, I'm like, it should have been like, oh shit, we can't make this jump, Michael. But he does without the rocket boosters. Yeah. I don't like. So that was a really weird line. Yeah, I don't know. It was pointless. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was pointless. Whatever. He makes the jump, of course. Right. And Kincaid goes, impressive, just like Darth Vader. Right. Very impressive. He looked like a poor man, Sean Connery. Kincaid. <laughs> you know, whenever he, we call anybody a poor man's version of whatever, I always feel bad for that actor I know, or actress. But he did. He looked like Sean Connery. A little bit. D- yes. No, it was a lot. Fine, David. I'm sorry. Poor um, man's version of Sean Connery. It is. <laughs> so the real Dugan, we cut back to the real Dugan, uh, and he's still inside the trailer. I want to talk about that trailer. Just a, a so, phrase. Yeah, please. Just a phrase that Michael said when when he first showed up to, with Bonnie and... Um, and Devin in, back in at the semi says, "I put him in the Devin. I put him in the trailer that you arranged." Right. So Devin put this together. He put this trailer out in the middle of nowhere. There's an airstream trailer in a some place, some place, 
and they padlocked this man in it. Yeah. Yep. And my wife, Christy, <laughs> we were we were watching this together, and 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 she says, you know, they're not police. No. <laughs> so they kidnapped this guy right. and locked him in an airstream trailer in the middle of the desert. So unless this is like a Phoenix Foundation a la MacGyver scenario where the foundation in Knight Rider is above the law and they can just do whatever they need to because they have the same rights as police officers to do what they want. I, okay. I mean, sure. Whatever. Let's get back to the trailer, though. We'll talk about it, and I'll I'll bitch more about what Devin didn't do. Okay, so Dugan uh, is trying to escape from the trailer. So he, he actually MacGyvers mm. a little something. That's uh, a good MacGyvering. With the gas line. He takes the gas line, and he basically aims it towards a jug, right? He fills like an old glass jar or water jug or something with propane. Yeah. Yeah. And then he aims the gas line at the jug full of whatever this substance was, Mm -hmm. hides himself behind a mattress, lights a lantern, whips the lantern at the jug, which then incinerates the lantern and explodes out the side of the trailer blowing uh-huh. a hole in it mm-hmm. and dugan escapes and rendering him full of holes with broken glass and shrapnel yes because that no. was a very thin twin mattress so i was just thinking okay how low rent is it that the foundation is using some beat up old airstream trailer <laughs> right. to hold somebody <laughs> right that it. is still that still has a kitchen in it that works right so yeah but you said bonnie's like i arranged this trailer for you so they set up this trailer with a gas line in the middle of nowhere. So I'm like, was this somebody's camping trailer? Oh, we're not using it that weekend. You can have it, Devin. Okay, great. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. it I don't it, understand it. It's the it, dumbest shit. It made no freaking sense whatsoever. I was so confused. It's okay, because it doesn't it matter. It doesn't really matter, because we don't see Dugan until like minute 42. I know. He disappears for the we rest of We just have like episode. periodic montages of him getting running someplace, getting closer, right. I guess, to the compound. Right, exactly. So, Linda is walking around outside. Michael grabs her and is actually like offering her some food and some drink, because earlier in the episode... We see that um, they're training Linda, but Kincaid is especially rough with Linda. In fact, at one point, he starts firing blanks at her to like get her to move faster. Mm-hmm. And Michael says to her, like, hey, he acts like he owns you. And yeah. Linda comes back with, oh, he does. It's like, oh, oh, God, okay. Oh, oh that's, that's the kind of relationship you have. That's, okay, uh, <laughs> I, I got to go. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not Dugan, by the yeah. way, so we're just going to lift that one out here. Kit, <laughs> uh, we got to go. <laughs> that's not quite what, how it goes down. No, no. no. Um, so he grabs, he grabs Linda, and he offers her like this food and some drink. Um, oh, oh, because... Kincaid said, "No, no lunch for you, no dinner for you. You, you see if you can, you know, right, do this better tomorrow. Maybe your hunger will inspire you. Right, exactly. And so that's why Michael's giving her food. And what I don't remember what happens at the end of that scene. So basically, he says, she says, you're breaking curfew. He says, you're breaking curfew. This and that. And they they go back. Let's break curfew together. Yeah, right. So they, I think they end up talking a little bit um, about her background. Like they go back to to his room." Yes. To talk more. 
Um, and she's like, shh, 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 there's a bug in here. Because Michael immediately starts talking, even though he already knows it's bugged. Right. Oh, he's, of he's course. A freaking child. Of course he does. And so she turns on a little radio and starts playing music. And Michael spills his life story to her. Very quickly. And I don't know if we talked about you know the Michael Long versus Michael Knight, but he t- you can tell there's a little lapse of time, and she knows all about him. Right. Cause, well, yeah, because he starts talking, and then like the camera dissolves to another quick sequence. Are and we then jumping just... around no, here? No, 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 no. Sure? Cause, okay, because it comes down to when she first met him, she's, and she thinks it's Dugan, she says, Oh yeah, you're you're not a good person because of what you did in Paris. And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Well, sorry. And then in this scene, he's like, You know what? What happened in Paris wasn't my fault. And she goes, It's funny because I made that up. Right. That's, that's right. what it was. And that's how she outs in him. this scene. Okay. And then he tells her the story. But like the camera, as he starts talking, the camera like dissolves and then dissolves back. Mm-hmm. And we're we're led to believe there's a passage of time. And right. Michael has essentially we we see that we, we assume he's. Spilled his entire story. But they're talking in such a way that you wouldn't be able to hear all of it if the room was bugged. But you definitely know that there are two people in there talking about stuff. Right. And they shouldn't be. Right. So there's whoever's on the other end of that bug is not doing their job. No. Or the bug sucks or it doesn't work. But, yeah, it's just... It's just oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Little well, points. okay. And so somehow, at some point in this sequence, Michael breaks into Kincaid's room. Well, after they're talking, she tells her side of the story why Kincaid sort of owns her because she's being blackmailed. Right. Because she she testified somewhat falsely to protect her father, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kincaid, you know, knew knew that. So basically said, you know, I will, I'll not do anything, but you got to pay me. You got to do all this stuff. Right. And she was an Olympic gymnast. Yeah. Which is why she's on the team because she has gymnast skills. Exactly. For whatever reason. Yeah. That was why that was where the blackmail comes in. Yeah, because um, that was it. The dad was it. Linda's dad, right? Yeah, was paying her tuition with with the dirty money that he she was getting. Right, that the dad was getting from Kincaid, and then the dad died. Oh, that's what it was. And yep. Kincaid said that she'd end up in prison if she didn't continue to help him. Yeah, and so she's kind of been tied to Kincaid since the dad died. That sucks. Um, so then we get the story comes out. So Michael starts to try to get some more information about Kincaid. He breaks into Kincaid's room. While he's in the room, Kit basically like tells Michael on the watch that two people are headed towards him and are going to arrive within 15.4 seconds, and he needs to get out. And he's like, oh, great, but there's no back door, and I can't get out. So he yeah. just hides in the room. So I don't remember where he hides. He hid in a fireplace, much like MacGyver did That's in whatever right. episode that That's was. That's right, he did. Um, so Kincaid enters with – so this gentleman's name is Thompson, the only one who doesn't believe that Michael slash Dugan – are the same, like, are telling, like, they're not the yeah. same person. He doesn't believe that Michael Dugan is actually Dugan Dugan. Right. And so he's like, oh, there's something really off about him. But I do love that he's absolutely right, and no one believes him. And it's funny, Kincaid's like, you know what? I, I trust I, I trust you. I trust your loyalty. I trust your trigger finger. I trust all this. But your hunches, I don't trust those. You should probably start trusting. Yeah, because he's this guy absolutely who's been right. with you forever. Right. <laughs> But whatever, it's King, fine. Kincaid's well, he's just showing all the signs of a crazy person, like right, right. lunatic. Exactly. So we get the story out, and once they leave, Michael reports back to Kit that in less than twelve hours, all of these men, including Michael, are going to be breaking into the federal penitentiary at Flint Mountain. Oh, and Kincaid is basically 
The story is is that Kincaid is playing travel agent, quote unquote, to some of the inmates, and he's going to help break them out. Mm. So these men are going to break in, break out some of the bigwig prison inmates. Mm -hmm. So Michael sends Kit out to make a call to Devin, finally. (laughs) But but that means that Kit has to leave the compound to make this phone call. Right. And as Kit said earlier, about a quarter mile away. So this place isn't... That big? No, no, definitely not. But he's like shooting guns and like driving go karts and like dune buggies all over the place. But Kit only has to go a quarter mile away to be safe. So I don't know, whatever, whatever. <clears throat> but the way that Kit gets out, I love this because there's an automatic gate um, at, at the front. The way Kit's, Kit gets out is that he slowly pulls up in the dark, but his front light bar is going, so you'd see him in a heartbeat. Of course you would. Um. There's a coffee machine in the little guard shack. Yeah, that makes like probably ten cups of coffee in a little tiny guard shack, and there's nothing else in there other than some papers. No, nope. this giant coffee machine. So Kit uses his conveniently added uh, like electric jams, electric jammer. Yeah, and blows the coffee machine up from a distance, setting the little guard shack on fire. Yeah. And then as that happens, Kit slowly rolls up. The guard that's on duty there is trying to put the fire out. Kit somehow pops the lock on the door, the electric doors, and the gates swing open, and he drives out. And I'm like, they better show how he gets back in. Right. Because that little guard shack is not going to be on fire for much longer, and Kincaid's going to have a shit fit. But they don't. But they don't. Kit just, he calls Devin. <clears throat> Kit calls Devin and explains everything, and Kit's like, I believe this. And he calls Devin at 2 in the, well, 2.02 in the morning specifically. Yeah. And Devin's like, well, thank you, Kit. We'll uh, we'll alert the penitentiary, and we'll make sure we get armed guards there. Yeah. And then Kit makes it back in somehow. Now, I love that Devin is legit annoyed that Kit called him at 2 o'clock in the morning. Right. Woke him up out of his beauty sleep. I wish they showed like him waking up, like taking like uh, you know an eye mask off, and he's all disheveled, <laughs> and he's like wearing his PJs in bed. Oh, and my it, God. His phone is like this ornate like gold handpiece. You know he's got that somewhere oh in his God. house, or he's Absolutely. just like, or like quietly in the back, like you don't see it. Like it's a dark scene. Devin's really the only one lit, but you can tell there are two other women in his bed. That would be awesome. That that's it right there. That's 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 my story, and I'm yep. sticking to it. And there's like an just an empty bottle of absinthe lying on the ground somewhere. <laughs> so <laughs> Michael, so Kit relays back to Michael that he's talked to Devin. And as Michael is talking to Kit, we see the camera kind of pans back to a long shot of Michael going back into a building. And we see that uh, there's a man spying on Michael from behind a tree. Of course, there's always a man spying on Michael from behind a tree. It is Mr. Dugan. (gasps) How'd he make it there? I don't know. We don't know how he got there. We don't know how far. The Airstream was probably in the backyard. Probably was. (laughs) was Probably the back of the friggin' military. But they show that he's been hiking all week. He's all dirty and covered in shit. He's disgusting. Um, so Thompson knocks Dugan out God. and brings him down to a basement holding cell, knocks him, locks him in a cell and he just locks him down in the basement. And, uh, during the, during the pre meeting or the meeting, like prior to this prison break, uh, Michael finds out the real plan, oh. the breaking out of the, the breaking the inmates out was kind of like a, a, like a red herring mm-hmm. to send the police that way, while the real plan is to hijack a shipment of twelve million dollars in gold out of uh um basically out of a truck that's en route to its next destination. So I'm wondering, did Kincaid know did he have that red herring plan in his office knowing that someone would try to find it? 
I'm trying to remember the order. Did do, the real Dugan show up before Michael found that map? I don't think so. So then he had this fake plan in his office just in case someone broke in. Yep. And didn't look any further than that map. No. Oh, that's the plan. Yeah. No, that was it. Beautifully drawn. You know, oh, it was thing. a beautiful map. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful map. I know. No I th- questions. I think villains take a lot of time in making, like, you know, heist maps. Oh, I think it's very important. Absolutely. Uh, so the warden at the penitentiary with Devin has set up, like, two squads of men to be ready like they're just like standing at the ready and they don't move because then we cut back to Kincaid and we just assume that these men are just standing there for the entirety of the next couple of minutes Mm. um so Kincaid kind of gives these guys the rundown of what's going to happen and he sends the men out and he has Michael and Michael has Kit contact Devin once again and kind of let him know about the change of what's actually going to be happening Mm -hmm. um now, I like part of the plan that Kincaid says that the heist has to happen while the truck is moving because if the truck stops, it's going to alert all of the police within like a 50-mile radius. So specific, yeah. Very specific. <laughs> very specific. However, I will say that this next sequence leading up to right about the end of the episode is probably the highlight of the episode for me. This whole Definitely. heist sequence is very well choreographed and very well done. Like, I've always liked heist sequences anyway, and they can be hokey or not, but... This did not disappoint. This was entertaining. Absolutely. And as far as the actual heist, how they pulled it off was pretty clever. What I did also like was we all the weird training bits in the beginning all come together here, and you know why those guys were hanging upside down. Yes. You know why that guy was driving around in the dune buggy throwing a beanbag into a rubber tire for exactly. a Exactly. It all lines It's like, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, which is cool. So he's So the guy in the go-kart, he's the first part of this whole big plan. So he actually throws a, a canister of nerve gas into the Jeep. So the car, the car, the truck with the gold is being escorted by two Jeeps, one mm-hmm. on the back and one on the front. Mm-hmm. He throws the nerve gas into the back Jeep, which basically incapacitates the two drivers well, to drive say, off the road. So, yes, he throws it in there while jumping over them. So he's like gunning it down this dirt road that's perpendicular to the highway, hits a ramp, and jumps over the rear escort Jeep. And as he's flying overhead, drops the nerve gas canister it was into great. it. Knocks them all out. And Kincaid like slips in right behind the Jeep or the truck without anyone noticing that the other truck has been the other guys have been incapacitated. Because Kincaid has a replica Jeep. Exactly. So he course, pulls right in. Of course he does. And it's great. They have a lead van, so Kincaid's guys have a van that's listening to the C B radio and recording it all. Right. Yeah, so it's really they're getting the original Jeep's voices, which is really clever. I thought it was awesome. So Michael and Linda are they're basically this they're they're supposed they're assisting with the last leg of the mission, the mm-hmm. last part of the mission. So Michael pulls Kit right up behind the semi with Kit's basically like Kit's nose is sitting right underneath the truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linda gets out and she goes across the hood of Kit and mm-hmm. she goes to the back of the truck. And she she opens it. I like that the truck actually swerves at one point, and Linda mm. almost gets lost off the side of the truck. Right, dodges some like muffler in the road. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then Mike she gets freaked out, and Michael has to take over. So we got we got Michael on the hood of Kit trying to open up this truck. He gets into the back of the truck and just starts throwing the bags of money because let's just out say the road. that he opens up the back of the truck and it's literally a pile of money. Yes, yes. I mentioned that. I was like, it's just a. Big pile of bags of money. Unreal. Huh. Okay. Fair enough. Unbelievable. Yeah. And it's great. 
Oh yeah, it's like he, so he just starts chucking this stuff. Kit backs away. This is where where uh, what's her name? The girl, Linda. Linda, you which we've been talking about all episodes. All right. Linda realizes that Kit can drive itself. Yep. She's like, oh, oh, hmm, what do you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, Michael just starts chucking the bags of money at a pr- prescribed rate out of the back of the truck. Yeah. Um, and this is where we see the guys who were hanging upside down. Right. They're lying in the bed of a pickup truck, dangling off the tailgate, which is open, like lying down under the truck somewhat. And they have like um, claws, like ice, ice. Um, yeah, I know. Pick, what you're, like yeah. ice hooks. Right. Um, or hay hooks. Yep. And as they the truck's driving along, a bag of money will come along that Michael threw out a couple of car lengths ahead, and they'll stab it and yank it up into the into the bed of the pickup. It was great. Alternating. And it was cool. I'm like, that makes sense. I like this. It was really well done. Just the whole thing was very, uh, very, very well done. Mm-hmm. So they, they kind of, they, they all divert off and they go, they head back to the base um, so that they can collect their reward. I do want to make one more comment on just how cool it was, though. Yeah. The, the bit that where, where the, where, do, uh, the van that's recording the CB conversations comes in is that when the lead escort Jeep asked if the rear is still there, they can play back the message and say, like, yeah, we're good. We're all set. Like yeah. they kind of, I thought it was clever. It and was I, very clever. I loved it was a sign of the times because it was on a reel-to-reel tape recorder. Yes. And they had to find it, like go back and forth and trying to piece the conversation yeah. together. I thought it was great. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Uh, so the real Dugan decides to show up at mm. the very end back at the base reveals himself as the actual Dugan which they already knew they already knew because this is because Thompson the guy who knew who's basically known all along mm-hmm. has let T- Dugan out and was like um so this is actually the real Dugan but Kincaid knew too did he really yeah I don't remember that yeah because he, he's told he's <laughs> like and by the way we know you're not Dugan because this is the real Dugan oh yes yeah okay. he ha- he let Michael go through the the motions because he had already trained that's and it's right. like, I needed your services. See, this is why I. This is why you need to be the one. To, I can't. I don't remember this shit at all. I don't remember names, and I'll fill in where I can. Absolutely, vice versa. Um, but very easily, as they get ready to kill Michael, um, <laughs> Linda distracts them, and they once again easily disarm all of the men. But I love what she says. She's like, "Oh my god, it's just lead that's been painted gold." They're like, "What?" Oh, yeah, to kind of throw them off. And then Michael beats the shit out of a bunch of guys. Of course he does. And then grabs an Uzi, shoots it into the air, and says, freeze! And then you see a shot of Kincaid on the back of his Jeep that has like a fifty caliber machine gun mounted to it. Yeah. And he's like, okay. (sighs) They give up so easily. Just as he was about to cut everybody in half with that machine gun. Literally, he's like turning the gun towards everyone. And when Michael yells, freeze, after firing the Uzi... He just lets go. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, I guess I'm done for. So, <sighs> fuck. So the tag on the end of the episode, and I love this because I did Devin not get the memo because at the end of the episode, all the soldiers are still just like waiting. No, he didn't because Kit called him and said the, the, they would be breaking into that penitentiary. Yeah. But then the plan changed and Kit couldn't get a safe call out. That's what it was. For whatever right. reason. Cause so we yeah so we cut back to the end of the episode and they're all still waiting and the warden's like you said they were coming here right mm-hmm. we're still waiting and Devin's really upset and getting really really embarrassed and really pissed then Michael shows up with Kit and this truck where it looks like an ice cream truck yeah and uh, pulls up into the penitentiary drives right in yep without pull, a problem pulls right up pulls right inside the gates <laughs> and. Uh, 
opens the back door, and he's like, there's Kincaid. Kincaid and all his men just sitting in the back of the truck. And just, they're just like, wah, wah. All, Yeah, all defeated. Everyone shares a good like, laugh. And Scooby-Doo ending. That's it. End of the episode. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> you. <sighs> Kid. <laughs> Airstream trailer. <laughs> this, <laughs> Illegal kidnapping. <laughs> this damn episode. Fuck, dude. It was terrible. If it weren't for the really cool high sequence, I think I would have rated it way lower. Yeah, this would have been like just as far as the hokiness and then Michael with Linda, like they had like this weird embrace moment where like he he like coddles her like oh, yeah. Oh, that was like you just met. What? Mike, you just what is this? I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. No. Very clearly of it was again a really early script. It was very rough. Yeah. Like a really rough script. Um again, if it weren't for that high sequence, I don't think it would have been hardly worth watching. Um I mean, my final rating for this is I'm going to give it a leather jacket. Oh. Uh, but as a modifier, I'm also going to tack on an alpha circuit. Oh yeah. And take a half one away. So I'm going to end up giving it a two and a half. Two and a half. So wow. Okay. One, a one leather one leather jacket with an alpha circuit demerit. I think I mean it was just hokey and dumb yes. and not well written, but I thought the, the heist sequence was the whole reason why it was any good. But I'll oh, yeah. I'll just end with a solid belt buckle. That's two stars. Okay. That's it. A belt buckle there, buddy. All right, I'll give you that one. Two nuts. I'll give you the old belt buckle. So I don't have a who's more likely this week yeah. because we are recording back-to-back episodes here. Uh, so we haven't actually gotten, as of this recording, we haven't gotten the results of last week's mm. <laughs> poll okay. results. Um, so I will have more who's more likely questions for episode 10 uh, coming out next week, um, which will actually be, I think we'll be recording that on our boys weekend, um, if I if I recall. But uh, that should be fun. So yeah, we'll get more of those. But if you guys want a a recap as to what the questions were from last week, um, I don't remember. So Greg, riff for a second while I get the questions. So you know, what do you think? Like, let's say that Kit kept tumbling through space end over end into the black infinity that is space. And Got him. Came... Okay. Um, all right. So the first question I had was, who is more likely? To be very comfortable talking about sex, Michael or Kit. Mm. Also, um, who is more likely to repeatedly fuck up beer pong rules, Michael or Devin? Mm. So those are your two questions. Uh, The poll should have been out already. If not, I'll probably put it out at this point (laughs) because I promised it last week. Uh, So those are your two two poll questions. So be sure and answer those. And uh, again, call the hotline and let us know what you think, uh, why... Your response is the answer. 207-835-1954. Give us a call, guys. We love hearing from you. Uh, Greg, do you want to hear what's coming up next week? Oh, yeah. I haven't read the synopsis for this, but based on the title, (laughs) uh, I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret here after I read the title. So next week, we'll be talking about Season 1, Episode 11, The Final Verdict. Now... For those of you who have been following us since Mullets and Memories, you guys know how much I hate courtroom episodes. I hate them. You sure do. I, In fact, uh, there was a courtroom episode of MacGyver that I rated a zero mullet. Worst episode of the series. I hated it. I haven't read the synopsis, and I hopefully it, it doesn't tell say anything about courts, because I'm going to flip out if it does. 
After a girlfriend, of course, a girlfriend, mm. after a girlfriend is accused of murder, Michael travels to Albuquerque, New Mexico to find her only alibi, an accountant who has his own problems with the law. Okay. I I got my fingers crossed that it doesn't take place in any sort of courtroom unless Kit's the judge. Oh my God, imagine that. <laughs> Kit's the judge. Tries, Kit tries to like drive up on top. <laughs> Cards the bailiff. This man is in contempt of court. He is going to make babies, and then I'm going to feed him. Those are humans' basic desires. Make babies and eat food. That's great. And then he's going to poop. And defecate. Defecate all over the ground. Oh, well, hopefully we won't have to see any sort of courtroom shenanigans because I hate them. I hate them with a fiery passion. Oh, man, I, I kind of want to see That's why I it. hate courtroom shows. I hate yeah. courtroom procedurals. I uh, hate them. So we're never going to be able to do night court? Well, that's a sitcom. It's still in a courtroom. It's, it's, it's Harry Anderson, though. Okay. Rest in peace. Hmm. Anyway, Greg, David, tell everybody where they can find us on the webs. You can go to champacline.com, C-I-A-M-P-A-K-L-E-I-N, for all your podcast needs. Also, you can find us on Twitter, at champacline. Same thing with Instagram, at champacline. Super fun. Check us out on Facebook, champacline. There you go. It's Champa Klein. C-I-A-M-P-A-K-L-E-I-N. Literally, if you Googled that, it would probably give you the first five <laughs> The first five options would be anywhere you can find us on social medias. Uh, so definitely make sure that you check us out. Um, we didn't mention this last year. Last year. We didn't mention this last week, but you guys want to really uh, help us be seen and heard by other listeners. Is, uh, give us a rate and review on iTunes. Rate and review on iTunes. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Please consider doing that. That would be very helpful for us. We would love that if you guys could do that. But, Greg, David, <laughs> do you have any final thoughts or uh, comments before we close out this episode? I don't I don't quite know what to think of this episode other than I like the heist. All right. Good times. Fair enough. So, for the Night Rider years, I am your host, Bonnie Bot. <laughs> I am your other host, Beat Up Shit Box Airstream Trailer. Have a fantastic week. I am the voice of Night Industry 2000's microprocessor. K-I-T-T for easy reference. A kit if you prefer. What would you like to hear? There you have it, loyal listener. A fine example of what can truly be done with podcasting. Hard work, consistent output, and just the right amount of guidance from an enigmatic network overlord. Tune in again next week, to see what timeless gem I dust off for your listening pleasure. Seriously. I need to get someone into this archive room and do some cleaning. It's filthy.
This has been a transmission of the Podfix Network. For more about this show and other great Podfix programs, go to podfixnetwork.com.